from Sydney who um, sent out from Chinese churches, CNMA churches, and ministering in Thailand. And so we had a we got to know her a fair bit on Friday, and um, so unfortunately because of COVID, she wasn't. Um, able to be here and uh, so I'm sharing our missionary message this morning instead of her. I'm wanting to look at um, probably my favourite story in the scriptures is the story of the woman of the well. Um, When it comes to um, being a witness and sharing our faith there, this is the story in the scriptures, I think, which is designed to teach us about that. Um, but what I'm wanting to have a look at in this passage in, in, in today is to see how Jesus, what Jesus says, not to the woman, but to the disciples. Kyron is preaching through John and I think this is about his next message. So he'll be able to lead us and show um, Jesus' interaction with the woman. Um, which is absolutely phenomenal and there's so much for us to learn of. Um, we want to have a look at what, he, what Jesus says to his disciples and obviously what he says to the disciples is actually directed at us as well. So let's have a look at it. It's from um, um, a message entitled Finishing the Unfinished. That's um, actually our theme for our missions week is... Um, unfinished the task of the gospel taking the gospel to all the world is unfinished so um, let's look at the um, particularly I'm thinking of the words of Jesus in this passage we'll read it again but he Jesus says my food said Jesus is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work so let's have a look at this passage we'll start from the just a lead up to it, miss the conversation with the woman as he leads her, leads her to salvation and then we'll take up his conversation with the disciples afterwards. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptising more disciples than John, that's John the Baptist, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptised but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the, ta- near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is midday, six hours from sunrise. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now we'll jump over to verse 25 after the conversation, just at the end of it. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. 
But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not... Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now the harvest he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true i sent you to reap what you have not worked for others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor many of the samaritans came from that sorry many of the samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony he told me everything i ever did so when the samaritans came to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days and because of his words many more became believers they said to the woman we no longer believe just because of what you said now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world just an absolutely fantastic story um it occurred when jesus was leaving the area of jerusalem We'd been ministering and a little bit in the in the outer lying areas, and he's making his way to Galilee, and Galilee's in the north, um, just there, and he's going from there. Now, the passage says that he had to go through Samaria. Now, physically, that's not true, but obviously, to go through Samaria. Samaria is there, Galilee's there, Judea's there. Um, he didn't have to go, but it was the shortest, most convenient way. And it was the sort of, it was, that was the main road you would normally take if you were doing that. But um, many Jews, if they were righteous, um, didn't like to mix with the Samaritans, and I'm sure Corinne will explain that more, they would take this route through there, through the Jordan Valley. And some, if they were on more important business or whatever, they would go this way along the main trade route up through Caesarea. So the necessity didn't lie in in actually they had to go through that area. But although it was the most convenient, Jesus went there because he wanted to speak to this woman and to bring her, and also to open up the gospel, the, the Samaritans to the gospel. And I'm sure Corinne will explain that later. But the necessity also lay in Jesus, in that he wanted his disciples to hear a conversation and to learn themselves. And we want to have a look at the message that Jesus wanted to preach or to give to his disciples disciples so let's pray and we'll have a look at it father we pray that you would open our eyes give us understanding lord we get into a life and we can often um, get into a rut 
where we cease to be doing that which we need to be doing, where we become distant and disengaged. Father, we pray that you would speak to us, you would challenge us, but more important, that we would change to be what Jesus would want us to be. Lord, there is a great unfinished task of taking the gospel to this world. And we pray that we would be about your business. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. The um, passage here brings Jesus talking about two very, very absolutely basic things about life. He talks to the woman of the well about water, about something to drink. And he talks to his disciples about food. And it's amazing how Jesus can take these just simple, basic things which we're all familiar with and to bring about the, and to challenge us about the deep and important things. For the issue of water, Jesus spoke to the woman at the well about finding true intimacy and relationship, feeling this thirst in our soul which everyone feels for for intimate relationship and ultimately that is solved only through a relationship with God. And so that's what he speaks to the woman about. But he speaks to the disciples about food. And he takes from this conversation something about finding and living out according to the true purpose of life. Um, the first things we see in this passage, Jesus saying, he says, um, my food is to do the work of God and to finish, um, to, to do the will of God and to finish his work. And so Jesus speaks to um, his disciples and it's recorded because it's helpful to us about food and coming to understand well what did Jesus mean when we look at a symbol or an illustration it's often sort of very quite difficult to get a clear understanding of what it actually means now um, the thing about food is this if um, we, we can lose sight of it a bit in our modern society where we have all these modern methods and we've got food coming out of our ears but for most of history um, life consists of just making sure that people can get the basic things of food and drink and that's what consumes us and we still see that in the animal world I'm always amazed we've got chickens there and the kids are always loving to go and see them how the chickens from time they get up in the morning to the time they they go to sleep they're just eating they just constantly head down they don't stop that's all they do all day long um my parents have a farm up in Gidjiganup and the same's true. There's cows and sheep and they, they just constantly eat. That's all they do, just head down eating, you know, wandering around um, eating. Um, my um, mum and Coralie were having a conversation. Coralie had been, we had some little kittens and the kids were kittens, Coralie had just given them some milk to and fed them and they were still just a few minutes later they were crying again and my mum said um you got to they're, they're still hungry give them some more and Coralie said I've already given them some food what do they need any food more food and my mum said to them you bods have been here for um all day and you guys haven't stopped eating the cat needs more food and uh 
and say Coralie did that. But that's the to to understand what Jesus meant is to understand that for most people, what do we do in life? In that time, we work to eat and we eat to work. In other words, when Jesus is talking about life, he, about food, and he's saying, my food is to do this, he's using food as an illustration of the chief purpose of life and the chief thing we're trying to satisfy ourselves with. So it's a double thing. It's the purpose, but also the thing which satisfies us. And so that's what he's talking about. And what um, Jesus does here is that he contrasts what he is doing with the disciples. What are the disciples thinking about? Well, they've, they've gone into this town, Sychar, in the middle of Samaria, and they've, they've gone to get some food. And their mind, as they come back, is totally on food. Now, Jesus had obviously asked them to go, and actually thinking about food is not evil in itself and they were very it was actually nice that they were concerned that Jesus had Jesus was eating but that was that was the prime main focus of their life of, of, and their, of their thinking and of their actions they had they had allowed themselves to be totally focused on the things which support life but were not to be the things which um, actually life was about a, a guy one of a, a commentator called Barnes um, explained what Jesus was getting at I think very well he said Jesus great object or his goal the great design of his life was to do the will of God he forgot his fatigue and hunger and found comfort and joy in doing good in seeking to save a soul this one great object absorbed all his powers and made him forget his weariness and the wants of nature and so that's what we see here happening is that Jesus saying look I've got food to eat that you don't have you know I've got a greater purpose and I've got something which satisfies me far more than food that is sure I need food but my great desire and my great satisfaction is to do what God wants me to do and to Finish all that he has set before me. And so that's what um, Jesus is challenging his disciples. And it's written by one of those disciples who was there to challenge us. Have we allowed the nuts and bolts of life to so consume us that we've forgotten the greater purpose? And... uh, Someone that I don't think did forget it was a guy called Job. Um, In um, the book of Job, in chapter 23, Job says these words to his supposed comforters. He says, My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth. So that's one explanation following the path of following in his steps. And then he uses this other word, other things. He says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, for, for the carnally minded person, that's what consumes it, their daily bread. 
But for the Christian, for the disciple of Jesus, what we must become like him. And so our purpose is about, uh, it's just not obedience to come. It's about finding what he wants to do and to actually do what he wanted us to do in our life. To finish his plan for us. To do the work he wanted us to do. And so that's the first challenge that Jesus brings to us, is that he wants us to finish the work which has, God has put before us. As Jesus said in, in verse 34, and I'll just repeat it, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That was Jesus' purpose. That's what energized him. And that's what satisfied him. And the challenge for us is to go, well, in my life, as it is, as I've, have to, I have to drink, I have to eat, I have to work, I have to do these things, I have to raise a family. But how do I make sure that doing God's will is that which is my purpose, it's what energizes me, and it's what satisfies me. Now, the second thing Jesus does is he he goes from my food is to do the will of God and to and to complete his work to finish his work he comes and he says to them open your eyes and lift them up and see now um, here Jesus actually starts in this conversation by quoting a a proverb a saying which was True enough, generally, it says, it is still four months until the harvest. He says, don't say to me this proverb. Now, his point is this, is is that this proverb about four months and then until the harvest was a general truth and it it was a saying which meant this, hey, when you plow up your field and then you plant the seed, there's nothing much to do except sit around and wait until the harvest comes. So we don't have to worry about the harvest anymore because we've already done our work of ploughing and sowing and so now we don't have to worry this reaping of harvesting, the hard work there is, is in the distant. And so what Jesus is challenging his disciples for is, is that they think that they're in a time where there's there's no harvest and so they can just focus in on their food they can worry about that because we're not in the harvesting time now instead Jesus says I want you to open up your eyes and I want you to see that one that saying is really good when it comes to our work as a farmer but when it comes to serving God it's not true and what he says is he asked these disciples to lift up their eyes, to open it. Now, what's actually happening right at that very time, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, the woman who would have passed them on the way as they were coming out of Sychar, a woman who was passing them, and they probably looked and thought, yeah, that's a woman, maybe even kept their distance because they didn't want to be polluted by a, a Samaritan. Um, as that woman passed them, she was going and she had just been led to salvation 
by Jesus and she was going to the same village they had just been to. They were coming back with a bag of McDonald's or whatever, the equivalent to McDonald's. They've come, I, could, I've, I just always imagine in this scene that they've got their little bags of McDonald's and they're just really keen to get there and they're, they're really keen to, to come here and, and sit down with Jesus and they can't wait for him to say grace so they can get eating and he's not sort of playing the game. And so Jesus says, open your eyes, lift up your eyes and see. And actually they probably could have, if they looked, they might have been able to see as he's saying this, saying this, the woman coming, leading a whole group of townsfolk to come because they want to hear about Jesus. The very same town that these guys have been to. Now, it is doubtful that the disciples would have been able to do it even if they tried. It's probably true, but the reason this is recorded is it's, it's their attitude which needs to be changed. There's no way they were ever going to get any harvest because their eyes were completely out of focus. They said, well, the time for harvesting is whatever, it's in the future. It's not our work now. But Jesus says, it is your work now and you've got to open, you've got to see, you've got to understand. Now, that's how we are in this world. I, I, uh, I've had a couple of conversations, even today, even after the preaching this message, previous in the last message. And we, we live in a world where we see that as a church, we're un- churches, Christians are under attack in our society. True. We feel that the world is turning against the gospel. But there is still a harvest as well. There are many, many who would come if we would only lift up our eyes and look. And so what Jesus says, he says, he says to them, even now, even now, there's a harvest. Now, why does Jesus say even now? The reason is because he's in his first year of ministry. This is, a, this is before he's had the great Galilean ministry where he performed these miracles and had thousands and thousands of people. This is still, this is before this. He's been preaching in, he'd been in the, um, his hometown. He's been in the Jordan River with John the Baptist baptizing people. And he's been in Judea, around Jerusalem and so on. But, but he's not the, the massive celebrity yet. He's very early on in his ministry. And Jesus says, even now there's a harvest. And if that's true then, it's even more true now. We're 2,000 years since Jesus said these words. And the gospel and the scriptures are known. We live in a society where... uh, These things are known and that you've gone out. Much of the ground has been ploughed already. And so if there was a harvest already in the first year of Jesus' ministry, there's people to be harvested now. Now, Jesus was not saying that everybody is ready for harvesting. But hey, the disciples and probably each one of us would have thought, well, that woman's on a long way. She's not interested in the gospel. And certainly the Samaritans wouldn't be interested in the gospel. But they were. 
They just needed a Jesus to come and to open them, and they were ready. They had those, those seeds already planted, and they were actually ready. And that was a surprise. Well, it's a surprise to us as we would we look at the hostility of the argument between Jesus and the woman. And but he was able to harvest. And the key problem was the disciples, their attitude was, oh, ah, well, I'm, that's not our job. And it's not the time. Now, the challenge I think and if you we look at Jesus there he doesn't just talk about reaping he talks about plowing sowing and reaping he talks about the whole process of of bringing a person to Christ so there must be a plowing a softening of a person's heart there must be a sowing of the seed of the gospel of about learning about God about the gospel And then there's a time of reaping where they respond to the gospel. And he's saying, look, what he wants us to wants the disciples to do and what he wants us to do is to to lift our eyes, to open them and say, Well, how can I see in my interactions day by day the the role which I am to play in the life of this person? In this relate in this interaction with this person what am I doing am I plowing sowing or reaping in other words now obviously there's intermittent parts in that as well okay but what is my role in our role in in our work we meet people what what is my role that's what Jesus is saying have a look all right well this person hey um, they're just my key role is to soften their heart they're against the gospel they're opposed my job is to try and how can I soften their heart how can I plow this field and that may be as simple as all I need to do is show um, a the fragrance of Christ to that they could see my life my good works and be open to the the thing which God can do in their life Maybe you just need to um, work in their life to, to break down a couple of oppositions, to, to actually just reach out and show that Christians care by doing good works to them, showing compassion and kindness. So there is this ploughing, but then there's the sowing of the seeds. You don't sow before you've ploughed. And... But at the same time, there's times when we can reap. And that's the challenge for us is how can we learn to discern in each of our, in our activities each day, what is my role in this person's life today? And so that's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. And he's saying, you guys have missed a great opportunity. You've, you've been walking amongst people who are actually ready to be reaped and you've missed out the joy and the eternal glory for yourselves but also the chance to do good to these people. Now, the final um, point I want to bring to you is... Um, is where Jesus said, I send you. Now, it's, um, I found this very, very confusing, and I 
thought long and long and hard. So Jesus said, I sent you to reap that which you haven't planted. And I expected you to reap these people for, for a harvest. And I'm thinking, well, when did Jesus send these disciples and give them the task to preach the gospel because um, all of the future, all of the main things of sending them into the into as harvesters was was in the future. For instance, we've got a few verses there in in John chapter twenty was after Jesus was was raised from the dead, which is probably two and a half years in the future, where he rises from the dead and he meets his disciples in the in uh, hiding behind um, walls. And locked doors. And he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so that laid in the future. Jesus hadn't yet gone, okay, guys, here's the gospel. I want you to go out and proclaim. I'm sending you. Just as the Father sent me into the world, I'm sending you. Now, the disciples or the apostles were not yet sent in that sense. Um, we see another time where Jesus sent them, even before that, in Luke chapter 9, we read when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure the diseases. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And in that time, he sent them out to, their, to what was most of their neighbours and their family people, which was in Galilee. And so he sent them what's called the Galilean ministry. That lay about maybe six months ahead maybe a bit shorter so even that sending um was still future he hadn't sent them he said i sent i sent you so well actually you haven't sent them yet to the galilee because that's future and in that one he actually didn't he told them not to go to samaria and then you see even this one which is in matthew chapter 4 when we commonly know where jesus came and he appeared to the disciples james and andrew uh, James and John, Peter and Andrew, and he are in their boats and he called them to follow him. And um, in the words there, it says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, they were before this time. And it's often we can miss that. This was before Jesus had actually called them. See, so the disciples who were with Jesus at this time was, were not full-time pastors or evangelists. They were still fishermen. And they'd made it, they'd making a trip to, to, with Jesus and they'd come down and they were, they were, in a sense, working with him, but they were still had their full-time employment. They were still employed with their parents in their family fishing businesses. And their call was maybe a two or three months ahead before they were called into ministry. And yet, Even despite that, Jesus said, I sent you. Why does John record that and why does Jesus say that? Um, Well, two reasons. And that is, Jesus had sent them to get food. He was the rabbi. They were his helpers. And they were learning to be like him. And he sent them. And so what he's done in that, he says, he's given them an opportunity. Even as they're 
about their daily business of just getting some food to be a witness and to seek to bring people to know him. He sent them, but he's saying something even more specific. He's saying to every one of us that being a disciple means that we become makers of of disciples. As soon as we become a Christian, every one of us becomes someone who's seeking to be like Jesus, who is seeking to reach others and make them disciples. And there's, there's no ultimate distinction between those who are apostles and the average disciple of Jesus. Everyone has some role in reaching others for Christ. And the challenge for us is how can I do that in my life as it is where he has placed me? How can I do that and so that's um the challenge that jesus is making um the founder of the cnma and i think this was written about 1890 he spoke to the um the church of his time we need to finish our unfinished work we need to do the things that we have thought of doing intended to do talked about doing are abundantly able to do and he was challenging a church which was um, only focused on itself fighting about little points of doctrines building magnificent church buildings but actually making it very hard for anybody, in the, even in their own country, to come into those churches and for the neglected masses of the world who most, of, most had no opportunity to hear the gospel, totally neglected. And Simpson sought to mobilize the church and for them to lift up their eyes and to realize that as individuals, everyone was sent and had a part to play in finishing the task of taking the gospel to the word. They were all called to be like Jesus who said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So three challenges here before we um, finish with chance to um, make our, our faith promise pledge is to see that you are called, being a disciple, each of us are called to to be a witness, to make disciples. That includes planting, um, sowing, I mean ploughing, sowing and reaping. God calls us to be a disciple maker if we are a disciple. Secondly is the challenge to be aware just constantly trying to develop the habit of every situation, what is my role? Sometimes, yes, it may be have a sleep. Sometimes it may be, yes, eat some food. Sometimes it is tied to your room. Sometimes whatever. But in our reactions, we need to be aware. As a disciple maker, what is my role in these people's lives? Maybe it's just to be nice, to witness, to be like Jesus. But maybe I'm ploughing, maybe I'm sowing, maybe this is my chance to reap someone for the kingdom. 
And thirdly, and this is a challenge which we're going to do right now, is to embrace your CNMA Church's mission. We are part of a Christian Mission Alliance Church. We've got a booklet here which we've put out. Have a look. These are all of the people through through the faith promise and be, um, through being involved in the church that we have a greater mission than even just our our church here. For many, I do fear that all we're focused on is our little lonely family and my little life. Rather than to say, hey, we're part, we're part of a of a bigger thing and we have a part in taking the gospel even to the uttermost parts of the world and we have people all over the world which we support and we can support them by giving by praying for them by growing and having a bigger and and, and an increased influence in how we go about reaching others for the gospel and possibly even to go Susanna Seed went as a missionary after she had, her husband had died, his children grew up, her children grew up. She donated a kidney to a brother um, who needed a kidney transplant and after having done all those things, she committed herself to go as a missionary. And so maybe even some of us could be like that.